everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith. I'm here to bring you the flagship show. Yep, it's the original BPW podcast, and I'm happy to be bringing it to you today, being Monday, January 30th, because there is a ton going on with Bayern Munich, including some huge news that broke this morning that saw Bayern Munich reportedly acquiring Manchester City outside back Jao Cancelo on a loan assignment. Uh, we will definitely hit on that. We will touch on Byron's performance over the weekend, another uneven showing. We'll talk about what's potentially wrong with the squad right now, why they can't get on track fully, and also why it's not all gloom and doom. There are plenty of good things going on with the squad long term, but right now is a very tough patch for many fans. But let's get right to it and let's talk about that loan assignment for Jao Cancelo. Now, it has not been made official by the club as of yet, and I'm recording this in the morning. So we haven't seen Bayern Munich or Manchester City release anything. We have, however, seen multiple reports break. And I think that it's pretty safe to say at this point that the move is going to go through barring anything crazy happening. We saw reports from... Sky Sports, Florian Plettenberg. We saw the Athletics, David Ornstein. We saw transfer czar Fabrizio Romano chime in as well. There is a lot going on uh, with this move. There are a lot of reports uh, talking about what the next steps are. Of course, the next official step to get this deal done is that Cancelo has to show up in Munich for a medical, which is scheduled for today. Uh, And you might be wondering, well, where did this come from and why is it happening now? Well, Bayern Munich is definitely experiencing a little bit of a shakeup on its back line. Of course, when you lose Luca Hernandez already for the season, you have to start to shift things around. Now, Bayern did add Daily Blind earlier this month, and that it was a good depth pickup. Of course, Blind is there to play a jack-of-all-trades role. He's there to play some center back, some outside back, potentially even some defensive midfield if he's needed. That was not a move that was going to be made to give Byron another starter in the mix. That is strictly a depth move, and it was a wise move, a smart move for sure by Brazo in bringing in Daly Blind. But some other things have happened over the course of the last few weeks, and some of the interesting tidbits that have leaked out today uh, seem to indicate that Bayern Munich might not be so sure about what's going on with Nusar Mizrahi and, of course, his ailment after suffering through COVID at the World Cup. It's very unclear when Mizrahi will be healthy enough to come back, and when he does come back, how long it will take him to get fully back into shape. Now, getting in the shape is another key thing because that seems to also be affecting Benjamin Pavar, who, by my account, was really, really good in the first half of the season, suffered through a bit of an injury, went to the World Cup, got into a huge scuffle with Didier Deschamps, and since then has been in a downward spiral. And I think it's fair to wonder exactly what is going on with Benjamin Pavar at this point. He has openly talked about a transfer. He has talked about wanting to play center back. And now all of a sudden, these reports, this came from Florian Plettenberg, that Pavar is not in shape. That's really puzzling and concerning because one thing about Pavar is he was never a player that would 
let his fitness get away from him. He was always someone that was in good shape, could basically play a full game every game if needed. Now, granted, he did deal with some nagging injuries over the course of his tenure with Bayern Munich, but we're not talking about things that were related to him being out of shape. So this news is especially concerning, and perhaps that was the catalyst for Bayern looking to pull the trigger on bringing in Jao Cancelo to help solidify that right-back spot. Of course, Cancelo can play both spots. He can play right-back or left-back, but with Alfonso Davies kind of being considered untouchable at the club at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that Kinsella will be the right back for the time being. I think it'll be a quick integration. I think Benjamin Pavar is in some trouble. Uh, I think that he'll get his wish to play center back. But this move for Kinsella is going to have a lot of fallout, both now and in the long term, because there are a lot of pieces in motion. Uh, So one aspect of this alone is that there is an option to buy, reportedly, that could be as high as 70 million euro. Now, that seems absurd for Bayern Munich to pay for any outside back, even Cancelo, no matter how highly they think of him. Uh, it, it just reeks of being too far out of Bayern's range for what they would want to spend when there are so many other areas on this squad that they need to enhance, namely the striker position. When you have Mr. Alley there, who has been really someone who has caught the eye and attention of a lot of fans. I get that. And, and, and he is seen as the future. So Pavard was definitely moving on. I think this summer, regardless of what was going on with Cancelo or Mizrahi or anyone else. But the fact that Byron is making this move now definitely leads to some speculation that Mizrahi is having some trouble with his recovery. And that, that is a, a really tough situation. And it's, it's tough to see that. But all of a sudden now, you do have this glut of players who can play right back. Not only do you have Pavar and Mezraoui, you have Cancelo, you have Josip Stanisic, <laughs> you have Bunasar, who, uh, you know, for better or for worse, just came back to training. And you also have Daly Blind, who could go out there in a pinch if needed. Um, it, it, it's It's a lot for one position. And to me... If I had to speculate, I would say that there is maybe more concern about Mizrahi. And again, there's nothing that's indicating that anything is worse with him. Uh, But to me, I'm reading this as it's a situation where Bayern doesn't want to take the chance that Mizrahi could be sidelined a little longer. They don't want to take the chance that Pavar is really going through something uh, that would prevent him from reaching his best ability on the pitch over the course of the Rook Ronda. Josip Stanisic, of course, is a nice player, but it doesn't appear that the club has a lot of confidence in him at that position. So in a weird way, this is something that Bayern Munich probably felt like it needed to do. And I guess the other uh, issue that you have on the back line is that aside of Hernandez being out for the rest of the season, you do have this odd story about Matthijs De Ligt and a potential 30-day suspension for some of the stuff that went on when he was at Juventus. So there is a lot, just a lot going on there. And and I think that with all of this uncertainty, Brazo probably got together with Julian Nagelsmann and had to formulate a plan for something, anything, to make this a doable situation if everything went wrong, if Delict does face a suspension. 
if Pavar can't get himself back into shape and back into form, if Mesrali is not available. Uh, all of those things together, I think, led to this decision to bring in Cancelo on a loan. Whether or not Byron would exercise that option to buy at $70 million remains, you know, that, that remains to be seen. We don't even know if that's legitimate as of yet. It's being reported by the Daily Mail. So, of course, it, you know, it could have merit. It would make sense with a player of Cancelo's ability to have that type of number attached to him. But it, it's also not to say that Byron couldn't work with Manchester City if they liked Cancelo enough to try and get that fee lowered. So you've got that whole situation at right back on the end on the back line. It left Brazo in a position where he he needed to do something, and he did. So credit to him for going out. He brought in another competitor for the position. He has now effectively covered his bases at right back. There is literally nothing else that he can do to ensure that there will be someone capable manning that position when Byron faces off with PSG in a couple of weeks. So as a Byron fan, you have to feel good that it's covered there. But <clears throat> again, not knowing what will happen with Delict, there is some uncertainty as to who will play center back if Delict does get caught up in something that sees him actually has having to serve that 30-day ban. Uh, and, and it's really unclear at this point if that will actually happen or not but you know when you're running a club you have to prepare for the worst so I think you have to give this move on the surface a thumbs up because it definitely gives Bayern coverage in an area where they might need it what it means long term we don't know yet uh, and a lot of that will depend on how Cancelo integrates into the team how well he can adjust to Nagelsmann's coaching compared to what he was getting from Pep Guardiola at Man City um certainly there are different styles there and certainly some of his responsibilities will be different I think Cancelo will also have to get used to playing with someone like Alfonso Davies who is so quick to get up the pitch and leave some of his defensive responsibilities behind uh Cancelo is going to have to cover maybe a little bit more and a little more urgently than maybe he has in the past so this is all going to be very interesting. It does give Nagelsmann one of his quote-unquote dream players. And it's kind of funny, if you look back to a sport build story from early 2022, they had a list of players who Nagelsmann desperately wanted to work with, and Cancelo was one of them. So, you know, when we talked about, for years, when we talked about the how Flick, Hansi Flick, eventually left the club and the disagreements he had with Brazo over personnel – there were definitely some issues there and there were definitely some lessons to be learned about how the coaches and how the front office personnel should work together in formulating a plan for the roster. It does seem more and more that Brazo has made that adjustment, that he does seek more input from his coaching staff and that going out and getting a player like Cancelo fits the mold of this new way of working where the sporting director and the coach talk about things and then they formulate the plan to go out and get players who can fit into what they want to do. So that's encouraging. There's a lot encouraging about all of this. And it comes at a weird time because, of course, Bayern Munich is scuffling. And we'll hit on that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, this fascination with Cancelo for Bayern Munich even pre-exists Julian Nagelsmann being at the club. I mean, we have rumors tracked back to 2019 when... 
Cancelo was coming off of actually even 2018 when he was with Juventus, eventually transferred to Man City later in 2019. But, um, you know, we go back that far and you could see that Byron was interested in this player. And it was actually kind of fascinating for me personally, because I was at the match in Philadelphia when Byron played Juventus and Cancelo faced off against what was really a stripped down Bayern Munich side that had Arjen Robin, Frank Ribery, David Alaba, Javi Martinez, uh, Sven Ulreich, uh, all players that did not play in the 2018 World Cup. So I got to see Cancelo play against them. Uh, nothing really struck me from that game, but I always remembered the name and, and seeing it attached to Bayern Munich so many times in the transfer rumor mill. Uh, it's just kind of fascinating to look back and see that this did go back four to five years and that Byron has been interested in him, even when he was a much, much younger player at 23 or 24, as opposed to being 28 right now. So it checks a lot of boxes. It provides stability at the right back position. It gives Nagelsmann a player he's wanted to work with. And there is a defined solution for how Byron can move forward for the rest of this season, particularly against PSG, when it looks like the team could have, uh, could not have Mesrali available, could have a struggling Benjamin Pavar, and would subsequently be looking at having to start Josip Stanisic as a right back. Not that Stanisic hasn't had success against Kylian Mbappe in the past, because he has, but uh, I think that Nagelsmann probably would feel a little bit better about Kinsello's chances and that type of uh, setting, uh, that setting being uh, a very important Champions League tie. So, Jao Cancelo uh, is not yet officially a member of Bayern Munich, but all things are pointing to that happening probably as early as today on Monday, January 30th. But we shall see how that all plays out. He still has to pass that medical, and I'm sure that the clubs have to cross some T's and dot some I's to get it all finalized. And as I was talking about, this move comes at a pretty interesting time for Bayern Munich because... The team itself is coming off three consecutive draws. And over the weekend, we saw another draw, this time against Eintracht Frankfurt, where the club had a little bit of a collapse in the second half there. They could not build on an early 1-0 lead. It was definitely a situation where Bayern made some changes. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann went to Thomas Muller at the 10. He dropped Jamal Musiala to the 8. And initially, it looked like there were some things that were working. I think Bayern Munich did miss the presence of Thomas Muller on the pitch. I thought the club looked more organized. Uh, I thought the players worked well together, but there's still a requisite amount of choppiness associated with this lineup, no matter who starts. It just doesn't always look like everyone is on the same pitch. When you factor in that Byron is effectively working with a backup number nine as its starter, and again, I'm not insulting Eric Maxim Chupomoting. He is a fine player. I don't know that he's the player to lead the line, lead the attack for the rest of this season and next season, as has been rumored. But this is not an offense working with Robert Lewandowski up top. This is a different style that the team needs to play. And once Nagelsmann got away from that four triple two, it put more emphasis on having uh, someone at the nine position who could be not just a good finisher, but someone that was going to require the attention of the opposition. And with that, I don't know that Eric Maxim Chupomoting is going to be that kind of player for Bayern Munich. I don't know if he's going to be able to to draw the attention of the entire back line like Lewandowski used to do. 
that makes life harder for everyone else around him. We did see Serge Gnabry uh, get dropped from the starting 11 in favor of Kingsley Coman. But I wouldn't say that Kingsley Coman nor Leroy Sané took advantage of that situation. Sané, of course, had a very nice goal off of a feed from Thomas Muller. But both wingers, I thought, were pretty inconsistent over the course of the game. They were not bad by any means, but I certainly didn't see them play up to the level, which I think a lot of fans expect, which was a world-class level. Um, You know, we saw Musiala drop to the central midfield and play more of an eight position. Effectively, this was a 4-1-4-1 and not really much of a 4-2-3-1. Musiala played in advanced roles uh, for most of the match. Uh, Again, he's still not looking like himself. He was definitely better. And I think we're starting to see signs that he's picking it back up, but there's definitely some thought, and I think that there's some weight to the thought that, you know, he has struggled with what happened at the World Cup when his finishing just betrayed him. And, you know, that's a tough thing for a young player to go through, to have that kind of disappointment and to probably feel like you let your national team down a bit. Now, listen, what happened with Germany did not rest solely on the shoulders of Musiala. There are plenty of reasons that things went awry there. You could point to Hansi Flick not being able to uh, identify the best 11 players as the primary issue. But um, in any event, Musiala shouldn't carry that weight. But it does seem like he is right now. Even with this, I, I listen, we know that Bayern in this match against Frankfurt, they needed someone to man that eight position. Leon Goretzka was not going to play. We initially thought Ryan Gravenberg was going to get that call, but he did not, despite uh, Julian Nagelsmann indicating that it probably would be Gravenberg and end up being Musiala. And I think, you know, despite the fact that Musiala can play that spot and he can play it effectively, it did not, in my opinion, give Byron the best chance in that match to win. If you were going to play Musiala and Muller together, I think you needed to use Musiala as a wing, and I don't get the hesitancy to do that, aside of the fact that you you have on this roster just a ton of players who can play at that spot and do it effectively, and you don't want to create a further logjam there. I mean, when you talk about Sané, Coman, Gnabry, Sadio Mane, who's currently out, Matisse Tell, uh, that gives you five right there. And then when you throw in the fact that Musiala might be the best of the lot attacking down the offensive flank, It's a lot for Nagelsmann to manage, and I get why he's been a little hesitant, but I think you're getting to the point where you have to use your best 11, and if that hurts people's feelings and it creates a little tension, it is what it is. And I think in his own way of thinking, I think Nagelsmann did that against Eintracht Frankfurt. I think he put out the best 11 players in his mind for that match, and that involved having to shift Musiala back it involved having to bring Thomas Muller back into the fold. And it had it meant having to drop Serge Gnabry, who, of course, was a, was has really been put through the ringer for his decision to go to Fashion Week. He's been trashed by, well, I, I don't want to say trashed, but he's been criticized by many people uh, at the club. Uh, he's been criticized in the media. Um, whether you think that's fair or not, that's your call to make. I, I kind of think it's a bit overblown. Was it? To me, it looked like a decision that 
it didn't look good visual visually the optics were bad but i mean like if he felt like he could handle it and he could come back and it wouldn't affect his play then at some point you have to trust your players to make those kind of off the field decisions uh and you know listen did he look great in the midweek match no no he didn't so he then paid for it so uh, you know i get byron's stance on this i get ganabri's stance on this i don't necessarily have too much of a problem with it but in regard regardless of what i feel he ended up on the bench and likely because of that so um you know what Nagelsmann did against Frankfurt was try and give his team the best chance to win, and at times it looked like it was going to go that way. Of course, uh, Randall Kolomuani came through after converting just a pretty terrific pass by Daichi Kamada to be able to not the match at one-one, which is where it ended. Uh, to, for Eintracht Frankfurt to battle back, it was it was it showed a lot for them. But I think it also showed that Bayern Munich is still extremely vulnerable. And we have to start looking at reasons why there is that vulnerability. And as I touched on, I, I think it has to do with so much tinkering going on. There's really a shift in philosophy in terms of what formations the team is using, how comfortable the players are operating in those formations, how comfortable the players are operating together, working together, because there's been so many different combinations. It's been really, really curious to see this season play out because it started out a little up and down. We had a, Similarly, we had a lot of draws where the team wasn't really playing up to its potential. Then I think we saw a spike in how the team was playing, but it also kind of coincided with them playing a, some teams that were were not so great, right? Like, it's not like they were playing the cream of the crop for all of those matches. In effect, Bayern did what it had to do, and it put away some bad teams. Uh, and that includes, you know, some of its Champions League matches. But either way, we're seeing that Bayern Munich is now in one of these quote-unquote ruts where, you know, they're up and down. They look good at times. They look bad. And it's starting to have an effect and create some doubt in the fan base. Now, I don't think there's necessarily a ton of reason to, to doubt everything with this team or to think that the whole thing is going to fall apart. I, I think it's far from that. I just think this is a rough patch. Eventually, the players will get on the same page. Nagelsmann will coach them in a way that allows them to get comfortable with each other and that things will progress and the team will look good. Whether that can happen in time for the team to play PSG, I, I don't know. I, I mean, to me... That's the really the marquee matchup of the Rook Runda at this point. Like Bayern Munich needs to have a good showing and needs to advance past that. If for some reason that doesn't happen, I do think we'll start to see uh, the winds of change start to flow a little bit or blow a little bit because I think at that point, Nagelsmann will, of course, still be focused on winning the league, but he's going to start looking toward next year and what combinations might work, what formations might work. And the club will start to identify where they need to backfill some positions. So all of that will be interesting. But another just odd development that came out of this weekend was the situation of Ryan Gravenberch, who it's tough, right? I know there are a lot of Bayern Munich fans who are very excited about the kid. And he does appear to have a lot of talent. But when he signed this deal to come to Bayern Munich, 
again, I wonder what he was thinking or what he was told because we saw him complain in the Hinrunda. And it, to me, it wasn't that big of a distraction because he was just, you know, one of about what three or four people that were complaining at the time. But now he's already complaining again in the second half of the season. And now is when I think you start to have a little bit of doubt uh, about what this situation is, how things are going, and why it's playing out for him this way. Now, when he's gotten on the field, I mean, he's been fine. He hasn't been great. He hasn't blown the doors off everyone. So I don't get why there's this clamor to have him replace Leon Goretzka or to have him start next to Kimmich no matter what. I don't get any of that. But I get that, you know, he's a young player. He needs field time and he needs to develop. Well, this is a tough time for that to happen. The club's scuffling along. They can't seem to find a way to make it all come together. And adding in a younger player who's less experienced and who really, I mean, what's he's only been with the club for six or seven months. It's a tough time to make that happen and to think about his development when the club is, is struggling. Uh, I think it's a terrible, terrible look that he has complained to the media. Now, it's one thing if something, you know, he's complaining to the coaching staff, which by all means, if he's not happy, he should. If he's talking to Brazo about the situation, like, you know, you, you told me this, I'm not getting that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get that too. If you want to keep all of your internal griping, if you want to keep all your griping internal, I get that. But with Gravenberch right now, I don't understand why he's going to kicker and and relaying this information. It does. It serves no one. It makes him look like a whiner. It puts undue pressure on Nagelsmann to try and use him in a spot where he probably can't use him. Uh, not only is Goretzka, I mean, sure, he's battling an injury, but he's going to eventually come back. Uh, not only is Goretzka a top-end midfielder, but you have Marcel Sabitzer behind him. You know, you're bringing in Conrad Limer next summer. It's not like the outlook for Gravenberg gets better. I mean, it's going to be tough, arguably tougher next year. We also saw, you know, over the winter break that that Julian Nagelsmann views Gravenberg as more of a number 10. I mean, where does he fit in in the, in the ranking of the ten the players at the number ten spot? I mean, it doesn't work there either. So, I think Byron has something that they're going to have to work out with Ryan Gravenberg. Things are not progressing the way the player wants, uh, and certainly the coach he can't appreciate that Gravenberg has now had things leaked to the media twice about his unhappiness. It's just not a good look, and it comes at a bad time. And the kid probably needs to be a little bit more mature about how he handles these kinds of situations. And if he's pissed off, that's you would want that. If you're not getting the playing time you think you deserve, you should be mad. But you cannot go to the media and start to ignite those flames, especially at a time where the team is struggling. So I know I was disappointed in it. I addressed it in a daily schmankerel because I think he came across as a little bit of a crybaby in his complaining. Like, pick a different time if you want to go to the media, but not right now. You want to gripe to the coaching staff? By all means, have at it. You want to go to Brazo? Do it. It's your right. But leaking it to the media, it's a bad look. I think it shows the kid lacks some maturity 
And I think that there, as I've speculated on before, there is a broken line of communication in what some of these players are sold when they join the club as to what the reality is. You could look at Alexander Nubel. You could look at Mikhail Cuisance. You could look at Renato Sanchez. You could look at a ton of different players that have come in over the years who have ultimately come to Bayern Munich and they realize the situation is not exactly what they signed up for. The one player who has seemingly rebounded from that is Sabitzer, who came in last year. And at least to me, it looked like he struggled in not being able to have a key role. He struggled mentally. It looked like he was doubting himself because he was no longer a star player. He was a smaller part of a larger machine. I think he was able to put that season behind him, rebound this season, and put together what really was a terrific first half. Now he's an afterthought. So I don't know. There are some things that go on with this squad that I don't quite understand. Uh, to me, I think that Gravenberg needed to pick a different time if he was going to leak this kind of information. But it was a bad look. But that was just one of the things that happened over the weekend. And, of course, that Cancelo news uh, really stole the show this morning. So I will tell you that not everything is bad at Bayern Munich don't believe that there's a crisis because there's not a crisis. This is a very, very good team. This is a team that has the capability of advancing forward in the Champions League, even against a juggernaut like PSG. The problem is there's just a lot to be worked out in the next couple of weeks. There is a lot of change that's happening within the roster. And I think Nagelsmann at some point is going to have to buckle down, settle on a few things and get his players comfortable because right now it does not appear as if the players have that requisite level of comfort out on the pitch working together. And I think it's partly due to the amount of tinkering that he does. The final thing that I wanted to hit on is a brief preview of the upcoming DFB Pokal match against Mainz. Of course, Bayern Munich, as we've talked about throughout this show, has been scuffling a little bit. Uh, it is not the ideal time for Bayern to have to face a knockout match, but in the end, uh, this is something that I think could help Bayern get moving in the right direction. Uh, we, of course, know Bayern Munich's first in the table, one point ahead of Union Berlin, two ahead of RB Leipzig, and three ahead of Borussia Dortmund and SC Freiburg. That's just to give you a little bit of background as to how tight the Bundesliga race has gotten. Uh, Mainz is performing pretty well in the league uh, over their last five matches. They have one win, two draws, and two losses. Again, it's not a league match, but to give you some perspective about where the teams are and how they're competing, Mainz rests in 11th place. They did pick up a 5-2 win over VFL Bochum over the weekend. Uh, as for this matchup, this is a good situation for Bayern Munich to get on track. Mainz is not an overpowering team. Uh, they are not someone that should give Bayern Munich a bunch of trouble at this point. Bayern should be able to put together something that should allow the squad to not just pull out a victory, but do so in convincing fashion. Of course, I'm the same person that keeps predicting Bayern Munich to win when all they do is draw these days. The good part is they cannot have a draw in this match. So uh, we will see a winner one way or the other. Uh, Mainz should represent a good situation for Bayern Munich to get everyone on the same page and maybe for that attack to, to break loose a little bit and get three or four goals. So let's take a look at what we think about Julian Nagelsmann and how he's going to line up for this one. 
I think, of course, we're going to see Jan Summer. I think it probably will be a little bit too early for Jao Cancelo, but uh, we'll probably see Josip Stanisic once more on the back line with Alfonso Davies, Dio Upamakano, and Matthijs De Ligt. Uh, I just, I think it would be a little bit too soon for Cancelo. We could see him come on as a sub, but uh, I guess we'll see how the game plays out. In the central midfield, this is another situation where we could see Nagelsmann push some buttons. I'm very interested to see how he reacts to Ryan Gravenberg's criticism. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. But I, I think that we definitely will see Joshua Kimmich because he starts every game. And if he didn't, he would probably go on a murderous spree through the locker room. Uh, I don't think Leon Gretzka is going to get the call because I think Bayern Munich is going to want to give him a little more time to make sure that that angle is 100%. Uh, you know, it, if he's healthy enough to play, I would anticipate a sub appearance. I do think we will see Jamal Musiala working the eight again, uh, and this will end up looking like a 4-1-4-1 for much of the match. That situation will probably come much to the dismay of players like Graven Burke and Marcel Sabitzer. I think Sabitzer should get the call here, but what do I know? I'm just a dope with a microphone. (laughs) Um, I think we'll see Thomas Muller playing the 10. Uh, to me, uh, this just makes sense. There was some progress in that match against Frankfurt, uh, but we will see what Nagelsmann calls for there. He could go back to Musiala and, of course, give Sabitzer or Gravenberg the start in central midfield. At wing, this is another situation where uh, it's very tough to figure out game to game what Nagelsmann is thinking. I would anticipate Sané will continue to start. I think Coman will get another start, even though I wouldn't say he he really blew the doors off anyone against Eintracht Frankfurt over the weekend. At striker, I think we will continue to see Eric Maxim Chubo Moting. It seems like Nagelsmann is content to ride him out. Uh, hopefully this match will give him an opportunity to get back on track and, and get his scoring or get back in the scoring column. So, uh, that's what I think Bayern Munich is going to line up with. I don't know if that's going to be right, but it should be good enough to get past Mainz. When we look at Mainz, this is not this is not a team that you really can look past. I mean, by any means, they're their game. They will definitely put up a fight, but I don't think this is a team that's quite ready to take down Bayern Munich just yet. As far as a prediction goes, I think I would go with Bayern Munich three, Mainz nil. I'm probably jinxing it at this point because I can't remember the last time I had a good read on a Bayern match, but I can't see Bayern losing this one. As much as Mainz might be able to muck things up and make it difficult for Bayern to score, I have a lot of trouble thinking that Mainz is going to be able to break through whatever backline Nagelsmann rolls out. I think, you know, despite the fact they haven't looked that cohesive just yet, it's still a lot of talent back there. Upa Makano and Delict are two massively talented players. You know, when you throw in Davies and probably Stanisic, I think there's just enough quality back there to keep Mainz off the scoreboard. And that will do it for this episode of the Flagship Show. I appreciate you guys checking in and listening. It's always great to interact with you. We love doing this for the BFW community. As we always say, it's all about you guys, really, and not about us. This is to to generate some talk about what's going on with the club. And we love hearing and seeing your comments. 
you know, we love the interactions and, and, you know, to be honest, it's one of the great things that we're able to talk about things so civilly for the most part at BFW. Uh, I guess not everything is civil in the comments, but it's good to be able to exchange ideas, even when some of those are crazy, like the ones I typically have. So you can always get me at the barrel blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB works. You can get our tweet Meister, Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. And you can get the mysterious one, I Need No Name, at BFWINNN. Of course, get all of our great writers and broadcast uh, podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com. They're doing great work, especially with this Cancelo news. We are covering it from A to Z. We're giving you every update we can find. And, of course, there's still other stuff going on, so we're hitting all of that as well. So keep hanging with us. Keep checking us out. When we have an update on what's going on with where this podcast will land, we will definitely let you know. We've got some irons in the fire and we're working on them as we speak. So stick with us. We appreciate you guys and everything you do. We will see you next time.